Well, we've already been to church. It's been good this morning. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise God. Come on. Let's give Him a hand. Praise Woo! God. Praise God. Well, we are looking in uh, the book of Genesis, and right now we're in chapter 1. If you're just joining us, we did creation last week. We're looking at the creation of man today. And next Sunday, when in the, uh, in the service just before our Thanksgiving meal, um, we're going to look at the first marriage. And the title of next Sunday's message is How to Have a Marriage That Lasts a Lifetime. Amen. And to be, if I had a parenthesis I'd put in there, to be mostly happy during the whole thing. <laughs> I, think we can, I think we can do it next Sunday morning. So <clears throat> be sure and join us for that. It's going to be a great day. I'm so looking forward to it. But today we've just celebrated today both in the early service and if you have your Bible, find Genesis chapter 1. That shouldn't be a problem. And we read to you verse 26 and 27. Now, it's divided. The creation story is divided into six days. The fifth day ends in verse 23. There was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Starting in verse 24 and going through verse 31 is everything that happened on the sixth day. And there are two things that happened. He made animals and at the end of the sixth day, he made man, male and female. And then he rested. Now, he didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was finished. Now, these days that we're looking at, uh, some will argue that they are... Uh, periods of time, maybe even thousands of years long. I think uh, some of that is motivated by the attempt to reconcile the Bible with modern day evolution. Uh, and I would just say that there's a couple of reasons you take these as literal 24 days. One is they have morning and evening attached to them. Morning and evening was the second day, third day, fourth day, and so on. That indicates a 24-hour time. And then you have Moses. Uh, in the Ten Commandments that are listed in Exodus chapter 20, he says in Exodus 20 verse 8, one of the Ten Commandments is keep the Sabbath day holy. 
Because he says, Exodus 20, verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all your work. The seventh is Sabbath to the Lord. And you shall not do any work, you, your son or daughter or servants, so on. Then he gives the reason, Exodus 20, verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and all that is in them and rested the seventh. Did Moses think those six days were ages when he gave the commandment on keeping the Sabbath? I don't think he did. Because the the six-day work week is based on the six days of creation. So Moses had no problems in taking creation as a six-day work work week he also made animals on the sixth day verse 25 then he made man but nothing was made after man therefore we would say that man and I mean mankind Adam and Eve was the crown of creation. It was the apex. Uh, There are three things that show that mankind is different from all creation and special. One, he's made on the sixth day. He's made last. Number two... He's made in God's image. Verse 26, let us make man in our image. Nothing else is said to be made in God's image, including animals. Number three, everything seems to be made for man. In other words, he didn't make man because he didn't have a garden yet to put him in. He says in verse 29, he says, everything will be given to you for food. Well, he has to have it all made before he puts him, God said, verse 29, I've given you every plant yielding seed on the face of the earth and every tree with seed. You shall have them for food. So in other words, this seems to be made first And man lasts because man's going to need the the rest of creation. Um, You also have, for example, why did did God make the sun, moon, and stars? In verse 16, God made two great lights, the greater to rule the day and the lesser the night, and the stars also. And verse 17, God set them in the heavens to give light on the earth. It's like you, you need, you're going to need light. So he gave a sun for the day, moon and stars for the night. Well, why did God need light on the earth? He doesn't need light. He is light. But he made light for the earth where man is. So all creation seems to be for us. And let me just enlarge on this point a little bit. 
Because in studying these things, uh, I observe that almost every civilization from the very beginning worshipped sun, moon, and stars. As they departed from God, the Creator, they worshipped the creation. And the sun, especially, seemed to be one of the first things that they turned to as a deity. Um, this is including Egypt. The Pharaoh was the, to be the embodiment of the sun. The sun god. Uh, even uh, the American Indians, the Native Americans, they worshipped the sun. They had a sun dance. You ever heard of that, the sun dance? It was all part of the culture of pagan societies. Horoscopes and what sign are you born under? That's all part of a pagan society. Deuteronomy 4, 19, God speaks to Israel and he says, Beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven and see the sun and the moon and the stars and the host of heaven and you be drawn away and bowed down to them and serve them. Things the Lord your God has allotted to all people under heaven. See, the sun, moon, and stars God gave to everybody as a gift, as a servant. So he says, don't worship a gift. What, what if uh, Jan came home one day and I was in there in the living room and I was kneeling down before the lamp. Oh, thou lamp, how great thou art. Wouldn't you think that was stupid? Or what if I was down in front of the furnace? Oh, thou great furnace, source of all warmth, I bring you my tithe and offering. She'd think I was an idiot. Again. <laughs> we don't do that because we know those things are just instruments. Do you remember Joshua in uh, Joshua chapter 10 when he needed more light to win the battle? He's, he, he was winning the battle, but he needed more daylight, more time. So he said in the presence of all of Israel and God, he said, sun stands still. Now he didn't ask God to make it stand still. He spoke directly to the sun. He commanded it. Why would he do that? He knew the Son is His servant. You can command it. In doing the will of God, you're recognizing the entire earth becomes God's gift to you for your service. So let me uh, put forward four things to remember about the creation of man. Here's number one. 
Man is made in the image of God that we read here. Verse 27, God created man in his own image, both male and female. And this is different in every respect from all other creation. Different from all angels, different from all animals, mankind is made in the image of God. There's nothing like that in all creation. And what that basically means is God made man like a father and a child. They're in his image. They reflect his likeness. Genesis 5.3 refers to Adam who fathered a son in his own likeness after his image. See, to have a son means you have someone now who is in your image or in your likeness. This is why that in Genesis 9.6, after God destroyed the, the world through the flood of Noah because of their violence against one another and bloodshed all over the earth, Afterwards, God told Noah, Genesis 9, 6, Whoever sheds the blood of man, then by man shall his blood be shed. In other words, if you kill premeditated murder, brings the death penalty. And then he gives the reason. Because God made man in his own image, Genesis 9, 6. In other words, this is my child. You can't just kill a person and get 10 years for it as if it is not valuable. You have to view it like your own child. That's what it means to be in the image of God. Therefore, if a man sheds another man's blood, then God said, by man, his blood will be shed. God will use people to carry out the execution, either by the government or by another person. But you just earned the death penalty because you just killed one of God's children. Now, I recognize that we're not all born again, but in the sense of being created by God in His image, there's, there's, a, there's a, a vestige of the image of God in every man. Number two, you see in Genesis 1 that God made both male and female. Genesis 1.27, male and female he created them. Um, this indicates that there is two different genders they are equal, but they are not interchangeable. Can I get an amen, somebody? They are equal, but different. Women, for example, are more nurturing. Men are more challenging. Physically, they are different. Women... Did you know they have, uh, women have a uh, greater sensitivity to color? They pick up different colors in their perception. Almost all 
colorblind people are men. Because women have a sensitivity to colors that men do not have. They have a, women have a sense of smell that men do not have. My wife can tell if I've had onions the minute I walk in the door. I don't smell nothing. But she'll holler from across the house, Oh, you stop somewhere. <laughs> Women have more taste buds. They are more delicate, more detailed in conversation. I come home, what, uh, maybe I had a funeral or something, and she'll say, How'd it go? Good. That's it. That's all I need to say. Now she can take a little event and take an hour to describe it. It's all right. I like to listen to her talk. Unless there's a ball game on or something. But they're very detailed. Men are more goal-oriented. Women are more multitaskers. Men have thicker skin by 20% than women do. They have denser bones. They have larger hearts and larger lungs and a greater blood volume. Men and women are different. There's not three genders, and there's certainly not enough genders to fill up half the al alphabet. When, when God made Adam and Eve, and I, I recognize that man is now fallen, so let's accept that. Let's understand that. Our, right down to our DNA, the ground is cursed and we're made of earth. So there's a fallenness. But I want to read something to you. Remember a couple of things here on, on gender. One, when they asked Jesus about men and women and marriage, Jesus sent them back to Genesis 1 and 2. And he said, in the beginning it was not so. In other words, the beginning is our standard. We've all fallen far from that standard. I, I recognize that. And we by nature are fallen. And our orientations are distorted. I, I recognize that. All of us, some secretly, some publicly, struggle with what has happened in the fall of man. But I want to tell you, Jesus recreates us. Listen to, listen to uh, Paul in Ephesians 4, verse 22. He says, put off your old self, talking to Christians, which belong to the former manner of life, corrupt through its deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on that new self, 
which has been, the tense is important, it has been created after the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness. It's been recreated. See, in the beginning, it was not so. God sent Jesus, and he died on the cross for our sins, and and Jesus sent his spirit to recreate us, as he puts it, in the image and likeness of God, Ephesians 4.24. So that image in the beginning can be ours today. A dad was teaching his son math. And he said, he was trying to, he was just a little boy, and he was trying to convey four plus one is five. And he said, son, think about it like this. If uh, we have a dog and uh, we, let's call his tail uh, a leg. So how many legs would he have? And the little boy thought for a minute and he said, he'd still have four legs because you can call a tail a leg, but that doesn't mean it is one. You can, call, you can identify things as such. That doesn't mean they are one. In the beginning, it was not so. So the church has to stand on this. No matter what the consequences are, uh, uh, whether it's unpopular or not, what the Supreme Court says, how many movies Hollywood puts out against it, the church has to be true and faithful to God's holy word. The gender is two. Male and female. So that's all I got to say about that. A third thing to see here is that they are commanded to have children. Look at verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Uh, this is the first command in the Bible is to have children. Isn't that interesting? Um, so the implication is if you're dating somebody and you and one of the things you should bring up it should be front and center as you prepare to marry is this. What do you think about children? Do you think we should have children? If they say no, I don't want any kids. They interfere with my happiness. Uh, I heard Bill Bill Maher one time. Uh, he he said that one I consider one of my greatest accomplishments that I didn't have any children. Isn't that interesting? I consider that his greatest failure. And so does Genesis chapter 1. Now I recognize that there are some people who have a gift of singleness for the gospel's sake. I recognize that. Like Paul. And, and, and we defer to that. But the rest of us need to find a wife, find a husband, get married, and have children. And have a bunch of children. And trust God to pay the bills. Raise those kids up and let them go work and pay the bills. Figure it out. 
Number four, they were given a vision of world conquest. Look uh, again at verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful. There's the first command. Multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish, the birds, every living thing that moves on the earth. God gave them this vision, a marriage, which we'll come back to this next Sunday, but a marriage has to have something greater than itself. It needs a mission. And those children join in that mission. That's what God gave Adam and Eve. This is the original vision for a holy family. And and so he gave them this vision of world conquest. Subdue it, he said. That is the same word used in Joshua 8, 1 of that when Israel subdued the Canaanites. Adam and Eve were to go into all the world and they were to join him in turning the chaos of the earth into the orderly cosmos that he had begun. He said, now I want you to join me in this. He gave to Adam and Eve that commission. Then Adam and Eve gave that to their children. They extended it so that heaven would come to earth through this married couple and their children. Glory to God. Now, they lost it in chapter 3. But in Revelation 5.10, it says Jesus has come and by His blood He has ransomed us and made us to our God kings kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. You know what Christianity is? It's a restoration of Genesis 1. You see it in Revelation 22. Everything is restored. That's what Jesus came to do. Restore fallen humanity back to His character and nature, back to His mission and vision. The dignity and authority of all mankind is realized once again through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing like it in all the world. Praise God. Let's bow together for prayer. Heavenly Father, as we bow before you this morning, we are awed at your blessing and calling and commissioning of your people. Uh, Help us to hear your voice and do your will. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's worship with our tithes and our offerings right now.
Let's stand as we sing this last one.